you know, as, as we do this, this series today or this, this transformational homes moment, um, there was a little bit of miscommunication about, and, and it, was, it was my fault and it was our fault. Um, we we kind of said at the beginning that we were going to focus on transformational parenting, and that's not the case. Um, to, to, we're not focusing on parenting. We're, we're focused on transformational homes, and this could apply to anyone, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're widowed, whether you're married, uh, whatever it is. But I'll get into that in just a second. But we want to do this per- sporadically throughout the year, and there's a reason for that. But again, before we get into that, have you noticed, if you've been watching football uh, recently, have you noticed... The, these new personal oxygen cans that they have on the sidelines. Have y'all seen that? Before, you know, they had the, the tank and all that kind of stuff, but now they've got these cans of oxygen that they kind of huff on and puff them and, and re- renew their energy and, and all this kind of stuff. They're, I've kind of seen them everywhere uh, throughout the different football games. Uh, get re-energized. It's kind of a magic spray. Well, here's the question I have. If there was a can that was full of magic spray for life, that if you took a hit of it, if you puffed on it, I know that sounds a little bit David Koreshi and stuff, that's not my intent, okay? Um, but if you hit it, then all would go well. If, if there was a magic can that had that spray that everything would go perfect, you, you puffed on it and you would all of a sudden have the perfect spouse. You puffed on it, you would all of a sudden have the perfect kids. You puffed on it, you would all of a sudden, your house would be clean. You you, you puffed on it, and all of a sudden, all anxiety would go away. Right? This is truly a magic spray. If that existed, is there a person in the room that would not leave immediately and go buy a truckload of it? You'd all go get it, wouldn't you? It it would be like, yes, I got to have that, as long as it's legal. Right? You You would go... Get a hold of that. And I promise you this is, I'm not gonna, now going to say head down to the CBD store or whatever. <laughs> That's not the intent. Okay. I believe scripture has given us a magic spray per se in gratitude to have homes that pursue somewhat of perfection-ish. What I'm trying to say is, I believe that via gratitude, because of what Scripture says, we not only can, but are charged with cultivating homes of thankfulness. And a home of thankfulness and gratitude, it's not perfect, but man, it's headed that way. And and I I, I want to dive into that. I I want to focus on that today. So, So here's the deal. As a pastor, and we've got some other pastors in this room, um, as a pastor, you know that a lot of times you're kind of given a front row seat to life. And, and it's a weighty thing in a lot of ways. You see a lot of hard, dark stuff. And, and, the, and in the same way that a lot of nurses um, and, and doctors see, you see a lot of hard stuff. You kind of you see a lot of it. But you also see some really cool stuff, too. <laughs> And some celebrations and some, and some fun things. But you kind of have this front row seat. I guess maybe I could say it's you get to feel the pulse a little bit differently of the church as a whole. And you, and you kind of get, to, you kinda get to see a theme that pops up. And I believe um, that we as a church, if we'll focus on gratitude a little more in our own homes, I think it'll bode us well. I think it'll do us well. 
Um, I think it's one of those things that maybe sometimes we let ingratitude slip in. And a lot of the things that ail you as an individual or as a single or as a widow or as a married or whatever comes from ingratitude. And, and we're going to look at that today. What is the difference between ingratitude and gratitude? And how does that, in a way, puff into us life or suck life out of us? And so that's where we're at. We're going to do um, these transformation, transformational series uh, sporadically throughout the year in the midst of our current series. So you guys know, most of you know, we're going through the book of Luke. And we're going to take this one day, now we will jump right back into Luke next week, and we will keep on. But we're going to take sporadic moments to kind of address some topics, if you will, today being that of gratitude, um, to just kind of talk about maybe a pulse issue of our church, and, and, and maybe where the Spirit's leading us to grow in. Uh, so that's what this is all about. Each of those times we'll have... Two adult gatherings, one in the morning, one at night. Uh, the kids will also have two gatherings, one in the morning, one at night. And then we will always celebrate it with food. Um, we'll celebrate that together. And it'll be, kind of be that moment. So bring your sides, bring your desserts, bring Mama's favorite casserole, whatever it is. And, and let's have a party tonight. So here we go. The elders in our church don't want homes that just exist. We want homes that thrive. In church, there's a big difference in a home that just exists and a life that just thrives. And, and so, again, gratitude, I believe, is the means by which Scripture gives us to thrive in life. Let's look at our focus passage. Then we're going to toss around gratitude and ingratitude for just a little bit. So let's look at the focus passage. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Colossians 2. If you don't, um, it'll be on the screen above. And I know some of you have already got your phone, your, your, your phone and your Bible marked on Luke. You can leave your bookmark there, but just turn to Colossians 2. This is, I think, the passage where we can see this in most fully. Let's look at it together. Um, now, it's important to remember that Paul's in prison when he's writing these words. So he's not in the best of circumstances. He's not in a great, glorious moment where he's going to say these words. He's in some of the harshest moments of his life. And here's what he says. For I want you to know... How great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. In other words, I want something so bad for you, even while I'm in prison, that I am I'm wrestling, I'm itching. <laughs> I am struggling for you to take hold of it. Okay? What is that thing that he wants you to have? And he wants us to have, and he wanted them to have. What is it? Verse 2, here's what I struggle and I want, that their hearts may be encouraged, that they would find the canister of gratitude, that they would be encouraged, that, that their hearts would pulse with joy. Not only that, being knit together in love. I long for you to be encouraged and I long for you to look like that beautiful old quilt that's knit together perfectly and intricately and, and is full of love. And maybe we could even say it this way, that, that that quilt of your life would be threaded together and that seamless thread that your life would look like all over, the pattern would be love. This encouragement, this love. And he goes on to say this. 
I'm struggling and wrestling that, that, that you would have hearts would be encouraged, knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, so that you would practically feel the full affections that you get when you become a believer. Because a lot of times I think it's like, yes, I'm a believer, now ho-hum. And that doesn't fit together. Paul's saying, I'm, I'm wrestling with that. I'm struggling with that. And we don't want you to feel that, nor me to feel that. If we are walking in Christ and walk around ho-hum, something is wrong. And somebody needs to expose that. And, and so Paul is exposing this. He's saying, listen, if you know Christ, you'll have assurance, understanding, knowledge... All these things will practically give you Christ, but they will also give you fullness of joy, gratitude. Your life will feel different. Look, the fullness, the full assurance. Verse 3, because in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I say this in order, watch this, that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. I'm telling you this because I don't want anybody to watch it. Water down your gratefulness. I don't want anybody to water down your gratitude. So if you came in today and you're like, I'm not gra- I'm, I don't feel grateful about a lot of things. Paul's calling that out. And he's saying, well, why not? Why not? Don't let anybody delude you. Take a puff, right? And then he goes on to say this. Verse 5. For though I'm absent in the body, yet I'm with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order, watch that, and the firmness of your faith, there it is. He's saying, I'm eager because I expect, and we expect, Christ to give us faith. But did you notice the other word? Not only would he give you faith, but he would give you good order. In other words, through Christ, you'll find faith. But the orderliness of your life, the order of your home, the order of your attitude, the order of your workplace, the order of your hobbies, all those things will be marked in good order. It'll change those things. Gratitude will wrap around all of those things. The canister of gratitude will impact every facet of life. And then he goes on to say this, and we'll wrap up the focus text for the day. Verse 6. Therefore... As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. I'm going to pause right there, verse 7. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. I want you to, you're going to read here in a second when I say read. Now I want you to read it out loud, okay? All right, there's your warning. Now everybody that's nervous, just simmer down, simmer down now. Simmer down now. And we're going to read it together, and we're going, we're going to scream it aloud. But he goes on to say this. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught. Here we go. Abounding in thanksgiving. I've never noticed that in this passage before this week. The key to life, Paul says, what he struggles and longs for us to have is gratitude and thankfulness. And it all flows out of a relationship with Christ. Bookend to bookend, here's what this text is saying. 
If you walk intentionally in the gratitude that Christ has given you as a person, as an individual, as a family, you will inhale gratitude and exhale thanksgiving. Did you catch that? I didn't make it up. From bookend to bookend. If your life and home and workplace is gratitude... What you'll exhale is thanksgiving. Gratitude, thanksgiving. Gratitude, thanksgiving. If I do it again, I'll probably pass out. Get some of those nurses working, all right? And that will radically transform your home and life, church. If we take that simple principle of inhaling gratitude and exhaling thanksgiving, it'll change everything. It'll change the way we talk to our kids. It'll change the way we talk to our spouses. It'll change the way we talk to ourselves in our singleness. It will change the way we talk to our coworkers. It'll change. It will radically change Kentuck Ballpark. If everything at Kentuck Ballpark is gratitude, Thanksgiving, you probably won't say, "You little punk, why didn't you catch it?" And he's like, "I just want a lollipop." You know, <laughs> it'll radically change everything. And Paul gives us this. So we've chewed through the passage. Now let's, let's toss it around for a little bit, okay? Let's just toss it around. All right. I want to give you some facts first. Some facts that I've seen and you've probably seen over the years. If you're a note taker, I want to apologize to you right off the bat. There is no way possible you are going to take all these things down. You better get your phone out and take a picture and then you can write it down later, okay? And or you can ask me for the notes later, but you won't, you're not going to... You won't catch up. All right, so here we go. Now, some of y'all just took that as a challenge because I know you. You're like, all right, all right, sucker. So here we go. Let's go to the facts, some facts that you've probably seen over the years that I've definitely seen over the years. Number one, I've never seen a home that's truly full of gratitude that splits up. Not truly full of gratitude. I've seen some homes that mimic gratitude every now and then when people are around, but behind closed doors is anything but gratitude that definitely split up. I've never seen a home full of true gratitude that splits up, where everybody is overwhelmingly grateful for Christ and what he's doing in the home. And when I say home, guys, if you're single in this room, don't think I'm instantly just talking about married people. This is for singles too, which is point number two. I've never seen a single full of gratitude that didn't truly enjoy life. Never seen it. That doesn't mean that they didn't desire marriage. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is marriage did not define them and or their joy. They found gratitude and thankfulness in the status they were in, yet still pursuing marriage. But gratitude overwhelmed them. I've never seen, fact number three, a student full of thankfulness that fell into lack of purpose and meaning. I've seen a lot of students get knocked down by waves when they had no gratitude for who they are or who Christ is in them. But I've never seen a student who understood who Christ was in them that got battered by the waves that couldn't get back up. That's how important this is. And then beyond that, I would say this, fact number four, Satan falls back when we're worshipfully thankful because he knows he's already defeated. He, came, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you have an attitude of gratefulness and gratitude, you're saying, you can't steal and you can't kill me and you can't rob my joy because I'm, gra- I'm gratitudinous. <laughs> In Christ. That's four things. The fallout. Let's get the fallout. The fallout, I think, that we forget 
um, and, and that befalls us when we are ingratitudinous or in, ungrateful. We, we express ingratitude, maybe I should say. I'd say this. When we are ungrateful, our kids become our enemies, our co-workers become our enemies, our spouse becomes our enemies, and our status in our own life becomes our enemies when we're full of unthankfulness. Beyond that, let's take it spiritual. When we think about ingratitude, we reject God's sovereignty in general because ingratitude says, God, you don't know what I need. And when we say, God, you don't know what I need, we're saying, God, I'm ungrateful, and you don't understand all things, therefore you're not sovereign. It trickles in. Do you see that? Not only that, we reject God's specifics in sovereignty. In other words, when we're ungrateful, we say, yes, God, you exist, and you hold all the stars in your hand. But you can't handle this little area of my life, my singleness, my work, my spouse, my occupation, my job, my house, my whatever. You see that? When we're ungrateful, this trills in. Not only that, uh, we reject the fruits of spirit when we're ungrateful. Uh, the spirit births in us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And when we're ungrateful, what we say is, Holy Spirit, I don't want any of those things. Because you know, when you're in a season of ungratefulness, you don't feel love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, do you? You feel anger, jealousy, bitterness wrestling strife. And some of you walked in the room this morning going, holy cow, that bald guy has been reading my mail. Church, I haven't read your mail. I've just read my own. Because I'm a human just like you. We all get this, don't we? It's the opposite. Ingratitude also rejects the presence of the Holy Spirit as our comforter, our protector, our illuminator, and the one who gives us life abundant. In other words, we hear in the Bible, I came to give you life and life abundant. And we go, yes, give it to me. And then we embrace Christ and then we walk on our own in ungratitude and we go, where is that abundant life? As if Jesus is holding out on us when the issue is not him, but who? It's us. It's us. It's my ungrateful heart that bursts this in me. Gratitude, thankfulness. Ingratitude, discontentment. You see that? So, still more, I I would argue this, and I don't want to get into it uh, too much, but uh, we make more of earthly life itself than Christ's glory in all things. Christ's glory is our chief end, and when we are ungrateful, then what we're saying is there's something here on earth that can fulfill me in a way that Christ can't, and that's just not true. It doesn't exist. It's a false nomer. Right? So, still more, I, I would argue this, and this is not on the screen. Ingratitude, I would argue, affects us physically, spiritually, emotionally, sexually. Yes, I said sexually, financially, and purposefully. Ingratitude affects the whole of mankind. It affects all of it. So, why is all this fallout? Here's why I think the fallout exists, because forgetting all that we have to be grateful for indeed fertilizes our discontentment. When we're ungrateful, it just, it just spreads fertilizer on the seeds of discontentment. So let's expose three things that contribute to this, and then we'll wrap up our time with ways that we can cultivate gratitude. Right? Exp- 
Exposition number one. Expose number one. Let's expose number one that contributes to ungratefulness. Number one, the seductive if-then lie to why we experience ingratitude and thus discontentment. Let's expose this if-then lie. Here's what it sounds like. Y'all ready? If I can find that next purchase, if I can find that next partner, if I can find that next tech gear, if I can find that next dollar, if I can find that next square footage, if I can find that next car, if I can find that next job, if I can find that next church, if I can find that next community group, if I can find that next pill, if I can find that next home run, if I can find that next who's who list, then I will finally be happy and content. Right? If you felt that this week, raise your hand. We buy into that lie all the time, don't we? We buy into that seductive lie, and here's the, here's the lie, because you all know it's true. You find that next thing, and does it bring you contentment and joy? Never. It never brings it to you. It's a lie. It's a seductive lie. And that brings us in gratitude. So rather... Discontentment is what we experience in the stuff and things. When, in reality, the stuff and things were meant to give us as believers discontentment in this life. I believe that. We reach in and and we go, I'm discontent, so I need to find something else that will make me content. And I believe discontentment is a gift from the Lord. Here's what I mean by that. Because I believe for the believer, when we experience discontentment, it is to make us go, uh, nothing matches and nothing measures up on this earth that will compare to what is to come in the riches of Christ. It's this discontentment is meant to sanctify us, to cause us to look. If you don't understand what I'm saying, here's what I'm trying to say. Let's give you some other examples. Here's the lie. I'll be happy... If I get that video game, and I'm going to kind of walk through the statuses in life. If I can get that video game or that Tonka truck or that Nerf gun, buddy, if I can get that as a kid, we go, but I will be happy, right? And, and we as parents, let's be honest, I, I don't, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we, we, do this, we do this to ourselves. Me and Julie Beth searched online, meaning Julie Beth searched online, <laughs> To find an automatic Nerf gun for our kids that shot like 7,000 bullets. What kind of crazy parent would want a 7,000 bullet shot across your home? Us, right? Because that will bring our kids happiness and contentment. They opened it up that Christmas because we finally found one online, eBay. (laughs) They opened it up and they thought they were the baddest things ever. I mean, bullets were flying everywhere. For about 30 minutes. And then they started playing in the dad gum boxes. Right? He's like, let's build a house. I'm like, if you're going to shoot it down with this gun, right? We do it to ourselves, but that's the lie. If I get the video game and then the game gets stale, And that should point us to going, hey, there's an eternity of things to come that will never get old in Christ Jesus. 
rather than, okay, so I need the next thing. You see how that plays out? Let's keep going. I'll be happy if I graduate. (laughs) Right? Amen. And then you graduate and you get to college and you go, my goodness, college is rough. Right? And all of that is to point us to in eternity, there will be no need to prove yourself to anybody. That's where it should take us. Or, I'll be happy if I get a new spouse or a first spouse. Right? And then you get the new spouse and they annoyed you like the old spouse. Or, all the singles in the room that think getting married is what makes everything good. (laughs) Go and get you a spouse. It's, it's great, it's great, but my gosh, it will not satisfy you because your spouse will ultimately annoy you because they're human like you are, which is to point us to the fact, and I love Julie Beth more than anything, I mean, you hear my heart, but any discontentment we experience is to point us to Christ because Christ is better than Julie Beth and Christ is better than Troy. And it's to point us to Christ. Marriage is not meant to make you happy. It's meant to point you to holiness. Only rooted in Christ. Or this. I'll be happy if I have kids. Anybody that says that's just drunk. (laughs) You're just... You're drunk. Um, (laughs) And kids are awesome. My gosh. They don't... They don't fulfill us. They're fun. But ultimately in Christ, kids point us to our need that in eternity only Christ will truly satisfy us. No little offspring we can have. I'll be happy if I get a new car. Yeah, until he gets old. Right? Or too many fries in the floorboard. And that's to point us to the fact that in eternity we will have no need of a car. I'll be happy if I get a new job. Well, that new job is going to have the same stress as your old job. It may have a little less stress, but it's going to have stress. To point us to the fact that in eternity, we will be free to fly our gifts and produce and to create without the pressures of stress. I'll be happy if I can retire. I've walked all the way through, and everybody that's retired was like, he ain't going to make it there. Oh, baby, I'm on it today. I'll be happy if I can retire. And then you retire... And you find out retirement has brand new pressures. And that's to point us to the fact that only in eternity will we finally rest free in Christ. All of it. God has given gratitude as an achievable emotion that functions as an armor to our homes and our lives to war against the negative effects of sin, hence transformational homes in gratitude. Gratitude, I guess I could say it this way. I believe biblically is the guardian of life. I believe the Holy Spirit has given gratitude as the means to guard our hearts and guard the hearts of those around us. Expose number two. Man, we got to fly. Number one, the seductive if-then lie. 
contributes to ingratitude. Number two, the fears we have of giving in to intentional gratitude in the here and now, the fears that we have also foster ingratitude. And that may sound strange. Why would I be fearful of having gratitude? You might find out you actually are fearful of being grateful. Number one, because if I'm grateful, then I'm going to miss out on some things. All right? If I'm content, then I might miss out on what could be. Slips in, doesn't it? I'll miss out. All right? It's a lie. Or if I'm grateful, if I have gratitude, the fear of being steamrolled. Right? Meaning, if I'm content, then people will take advantage of me. It slips in. Right? They'll take advantage of me. They'll just kind of steamroll me. If I'm, and I'll get to that in just a second. Or number three, the fear of getting left behind. We don't want to have gratitude because we feel like we'll get left behind. If I'm content, then everyone else will pass up. Because you're like, Troy, isn't there a holy discontentment that produces me and pushes me to create in life, right? That's kind of that subtle thing that we buy into. I won't climb the ladder if I'm grateful for where I'm at. It's a lie. It's a lie. Everybody will pass me up. Here's the lie of all those things. The fear is that gratitude is some form of killjoy. If I'm grateful, then it's going to be a quicksand of killjoy. I'm just going to get stuck. I'm, I'm stuck right here. And all joy will be sucked out of life. That's not true. Gratitude, biblically, is a state of being that will ebb and flow with us as we progress through life. That's gratitude. In other words, you can still progress and grow and and do the things. The question is not, are you stuck or are you moving? The question is, are you grateful wherever you are? That's the question. Am I grateful in the box? Am I grateful in the penthouse? Am I grateful at the beach? Am I grateful in my cubicle? Am I grateful? It ebbs. It's a state of being. And the Holy Spirit is giving us gratefulness wherever we're at, no matter where we're at, to guard our hearts and guard those around us and ultimately to push us to the treasures that Christ has changed us in the here and now and doesn't just change us there. He does change us there. But you'll never have the fullness of life abundant unless we're grateful for the now. So, expose number three. Some symptoms to know if you don't have gratitude. So you may go, okay, all right. I'm tracking with you, Troy. But I don't know if I'm ungrateful or not. Oh, baby. Do you constantly compare yourself with others? Do you have a self-loathing attitude? Are you discontent in identifiable areas of life? Are you jealous and covetous? Do you think you deserve better or more? Are you prayerless? Are you worshipless? Can you applaud others? Or do you applaud others with an asterisk? Right? I'm happy for you. Kinda. You sorry putts. (laughs) Asterisk. Right? Do you frown and isolate? Can you remember the last time you laughed? Is your life marked by criticism, sarcasm, blaming, disrespect, cynicism, flippancy, and pettiness? If so, you probably have symptoms of ingratitude. 
Now let's bring the focal text back into light and then we'll shift gears. In other words, many people have let the gospel hit our heads and we're still wondering why we're stressed out. The gospel is supposed to change things. He saved me. Uh, why is this changing anything? And we're holding on to the ingratitude. He's going, I've saved you. Now be thankful that I have. <laughs> right? Um, in the words of 21 Pilots, and I quote their song, Stressed Out, which is a great song. If you don't know, 21 Pilots is so good. They're so good. I know. But they do say this, and they say, We used to play pretend, give each other different names. We would build a rocket ship, and then we'd fly it far away. We used to dream of outer space, but now they're laughing in our face saying, Wake up, because you need to make money. It's true. That's true of all of us. Gratitude as a kid puts us in that position of, thank you, hey, I'm going to dream, I'm going to create, I'm going to have fun in the here and now. And then somewhere along the way, we go, boom, but money, home, family, boom. And the stresses just kill us rather than taking the joy in the midst of all of those things. Here's the thing in the gospel. We are freed to make money, to work, and to do labor as Christians with a giddy grin on our face. We're freed to do that in Christ, knowing that this earth is just a missional vapor. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow, and the whole point of us being here is to push somebody else to the joy that we have in Christ. That's it. Do you walk like that as a believer? I hope I would, but if I'm honest, I don't. But man, I want to. And maybe I'm just feeling my own pulse. So maybe all this is for me. But I got a hunch. I'm probably not the only one. Let's do it, man. Let's walk in gratitude. So how do you cultivate gratitude? How do you cultivate that? And man, I hope you come back tonight, because tonight will be mainly how do you cultivate gratitude. That's all we're going to do is how do you do it, okay? Come back and bring your green bean casserole. Um, And boiled eggs. Um... Number one, intentionally list out what you're discontent in. Write it out. Take the time to write out what am I discontent in. you got to see your enemy before you can destroy your enemy. Write it out. What has me down? Number two, give your life away to the spiritual disciplines. Right? Church, Bible study, prayer, worship. Bathe yourself in gospel gratitude. In other words... Do the spiritual disciplines not as work to, to make God happy with you, but to remind yourself of how much God loves you. And then flow gratitudinously out of that. We're making up all kinds of words. Number three, have a mouth that speaks positivity. For some people, that is super easy. And for some of us, holy moly, that is hard work. Right? But for all of us, if you speak positivity into your home, your workplace, it works. If you speak positivity, it works. It just works. People desire in their life to hear their value and worth. And when you speak it out loud, the atmosphere of the room changes. It changes your home atmosphere. Number four. (laughs) Four. 
have a mindset that rejects extremes. Never, always, gotta, must, constantly, are indeed never true. It's just not true. And that stuff robs us. If, if, if parents, let me speak to me and you. If this is what your kids hear all the time, which my, I, we, I, we're trying so hard to work on this, I cannot tell you how we are, we are, we're trying, man. Here's Troy's life. Right? It's a mess. We're working on it. Inviting you in. Okay? Our kids don't need to hear, you never do this. You always do that. You constantly do this. You must do this. Because none of those things are ever true. You never hug your dad. It's not true. You always leave your dishes out. That's not true. Percentage-wise, it may be statistically true. (laughs) But must never always, it's not true. And it cultivates hearts of ingratitude. It's my fault. That's a big deal in your own heart. Number five, see the worth and value of you. If you compare yourself to others in other situations, you'll never have gratitude. Because everybody's always going to be different than you. Right? I'm bald. I don't know if you noticed that. I'm bald. I look at Holly and I'm like, Holly has a full head of hair. Right? Holly's going to be different. There's always something different. If you compare yourself to other people, there's always something different. And that will rob you of who God made you to be. It'll rob you, man. They're faster than me, smarter than me, stronger than me, richer than me. And all that is saying, I'm nothing, I'm nothing. Stop! See the value of you. God knit you together in your mother's womb, meaning your body is marked with his thumbprints just the way he wanted to make you. Don't you dare compare yourself to somebody else. Find gratitude in who God made you to be. With your blonde hair, your brown hair, your curly hair, your stupid hair. (laughs) And number six, cherish and be enamored with the infinite worth of Christ. Because none of the other stuff will make sense unless you're enamored with Christ. Which is what Colossians said to us. God made you to be you. And if you're a believer, he redeemed that you and replaced you with him. The scandal of the cross. Breathe in gratitude. Exhale thankfulness. Could not do it. I mean, Paul set it up. This is a quilt that Mom all made. It's beautiful for many reasons. For us, because of its meaning. Um, You know, it's what we got left. Um, The intricacies and the the details and all that kind of stuff. I thought about that that first passage that says, Church, I want you to be knit together in love. And you'll find that in gratitude. And I thought about this quilt. 
Gratitude is the quilt that keeps us warm and keeps your home warm. Gratitude is the quilt that's truly usable. It's not just theory. Practically, gratitude will change your life. Gratitude is the quilt that leaves a lasting testimony. It's the funny, it's the crazy thing about quilts. This sucker will be here when we are dead and gone. Quilts last forever. Y'all got them in your house, don't you? You're thinking about a quilt in your house right now that you got from your mama, aren't you? That sucker's still going. It's your favorite quilt. It lasts forever. Gratitude creates an environment. Hey, married people, you listen to me, and we won't go into it much, but look. Creates an environment of cuddling. And gratitude's the thread that'll last a lifetime. So let's pick up where we left off. Um, we inhale gratitude. We exhale thanksgiving. And so don't be shocked if we don't have some bracelets available for you next week. <laughs> just to kind of chew through that, just as a reminder um, of we inhale gratitude, exhale thanksgiving. We went through this morning, again, let's, let's recap. Facts about the joyful results of gratitude, the fallouts of ingratitude, three reasons um, that we have ingratitude or that we experience ingratitude. The seductive if-then lie, if I have this, then I'll be happy. Uh, The fear that gratitude will stunt our progress. If I'm grateful, I won't move forward. I'll just become stagnant. And then the symptoms of ingratitude. We just kind of walk through all that. And then how to cultivate gratitude. Um, List out the areas of your life that you're discontent in. Uh, Dive into the spiritual disciplines. Speak positivity aloud. Reject extremism. That may be, again, the biggest thing. Exaggerated words, you never do this, you always do that. Those are not true, and they'll birth ingratitude in our hearts. Um, See the value and worth of you, who God made you to be. Be enamored with the uh, worth of Christ. And so this was everything we did this morning. In other words, gratitude is the tilling, and then thankfulness is the crop that results out of that when we have gratitude in our hearts. So, and we ended with the quilt and, and an odd reference to a very odd song. Um, but gratitude will birth a home that looks like that quilt of gratitude rather than a home that looks like a royal rumble. And we don't want that. We don't want homes that look like royal rumbles. And so how does gratitude change that? So uh, we, we did Colossians 2 this morning. Uh, Tonight, we're not going to go as in-depth as we did, like in something Colossians 2, but I do want to highlight three passages of Scripture, and they'll all be on the screen, but turn there in your Bible if you want to. Romans one twenty one, Colossians 4, 2-4, and Ephesians 5, 4. And this will just kind of set our tone, and then we'll, we'll go through cultivating gratitude. So a lot of this morning was ingratitude. A lot tonight will be how to cultivate gratitude, all right? So Romans one twenty one. I think this is a fascinating passage thinking about gratitude. It says this, For God's invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, unbelievers, are without excuse. For although they knew God... Now watch this. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him or give Him thanks... 
And they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So a lack of gratitude for the Lord ultimately snuffed out their candle. Did you catch that? Gratitude is linked there. They, they did not give praise to the Father, and ultimately that snuffed out their candle. And you can expect that in your home. If there's a lack of gratitude, don't be shocked if it snuffs out the life of your home. Don't be, don't be shocked at all. And so we see that in that passage. Colossians 4, 2 through 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, I think this passage is very interesting because the prayers of watchful thanksgiving are what keep us continuously steady, according to this passage. We are steady when we're marked by prayers of continual gratitude. And then the third passage, Ephesians 5, 4. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Now this passage is interesting because what it's saying is thanksgiving or gratitude will reset our default. Our default as people is just to have worldly chatter, just, just to talk about anything, random things. We don't, I don't think I've ever met somebody who was engaged in crude joking because they were just like, I really want to be crude. And that's not the case, right? It's just, we just, we just enter in. It's, it's just our default. We think it's, I mean, I, won't, I, won't, I mean, kids, okay? These little, the little, not those, well, yeah, definitely those over there. Um, but it doesn't, they don't have to be the ones over there. You know, little kids, it's so funny. I mean, you can say the word to them, rotten watermelon, and it doesn't, nothing inside them wakes up. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be crude, just go with me here. If you say the word toot, all of a sudden, what do they do? It's the funniest thing ever. Because it's just, it's just wired in us. It's, it's just... We just kind of go there. We just kind of, it's just built in. And, and so the reminder is a gratitude, a heart of gratitude will replace that. Be careful about what you say, how you say it, when you say it, all these different things. Uh, at a restaurant, I'll give you an example. So if we go to a restaurant and you come up and you sit down at the table next to us. Watch how this plays out. You sit down next to us. We figure out we've got the same waitress. The waitress comes up in that moment, she knows that you're connected, and you probably are going to say something about that couple right there. Now, the default of our hearts is to say, most of us, is to say something along the lines of, watch it, don't trust them, they just got out of the nutty farm. Their credit cards are no good, right? Do we, don't we do that? Am I lying? It's just kind of the default. And a heart of gratitude cultivates in our own minds to say, when they sit down, to wrestle with that and go, hey, hey, no, no. What I'm going to say to that waitress is, that's the best customers you're going to have all night. Do you see the difference? Do you think that changes that waitress's attitude about who she's about to serve? Do you think that changes the waitress's attitude about you? Do you think it changes your relationship about the people next to you? Now, you know, Troy, that's just, that's just too much. They know you're joking. That's what the Scripture's getting at. They probably do know you're joking. But we can speak life into somebody through our gratitude, which changes the aroma of relationships. And so I think this is what he's getting at here. Our lives and our mouths particularly, they breathe out one of two things. They breathe out life or they breathe out stank. 
And I'm not just talking about you ate an awesome blossom and have stank. It's, it's dank, musty, heartfelt breath that comes out sometimes, and just even unaware. And that will erode your home, it will erode your relationships, and it will ultimately erode what your perception is about the life itself. So, <clears throat> that's it. Alright, before we move on um, to cultivating gratitude, like I promised, and, and we will do that, we'll do ten things tonight, and, and then we'll be done. <clears throat> Andy Stanley noted this about unexpressed gratitude. And it is way too good not to consider. Okay, this is fantastic stuff. Thinking about unexpressed gratitude. He says this, In homes of unexpressed gratitude, the recipient is keenly aware, but the culprit is rarely aware. Think through that. Unexpressed gratitude... The one who should be giving the gratitude is, is, is rarely aware that they're not giving the gratitude. We'll get to that in just a minute. But the person who, who, who is wondering, am I, am I thought fondly of? They're keenly aware that that gratitude is never expressed. And thinking on that further, why is this so dangerous? Because when unexpressed gratitude occurs in your home, in your relationships, in your own life a fault line below the surface begins to crack. And that unheard tool that is chiseling that crack is unexpressed gratitude. It's the unwillingness to say, but I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. And and so it's not that we are a lot of times eroding our own lives by saying, I don't like that. It's just we don't say anything at all. And unexpressed gratitude feels and is experienced as ingratitude. That's, that's really, really good. I think that's really well, well put. Um, <clears throat> and so it begins eroding us privately until it ultimately erupts publicly. And doesn't that how foundational cracks work? Even in your house. If you've got a foundational crack that you don't see and you let that thing keep eroding, when you notice it, it has begun to shift the top of your house, and then it's too far gone. So you think about families that have broken up, split apart. It's usually because inexpressed gratitude began to form that crack. It got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then when it exposed itself on the surface, it was too far gone. Now, by God's grace, a lot of times it comes back together, and that is the grace of the Lord. But you can probably see that in your own hearts. And, and so, in other words... Unexpressed gratitude is experienced by others as ingratitude. Um, and it's unexpressed because a lot of times people will say things like this. Well, well, I know what I feel. I just don't say it out loud. This is the part where you can nudge somebody next to you if you'd like. I know what I feel. I just don't say it out loud. It's frank on Everybody Loves Raymond. If you've watched Everybody Loves Raymond, it's, it's Frank. It's like, oh, I know he loves me. You know, it's, it's that whole mindset. Uh, maybe if you're not of that generation, it's Archie Bunker of All in the Family. It's, it's that same notion of, oh, I know there's love there. If it's not expressed, it's experienced as ingratitude. Um, so it's unexpressed a lot of times because of that notion, I, I know what I feel, I just don't say it out loud. Or it's unexpressed of this because of this. Well, 
they should know that I love them. And I'm grateful for them by the way that I work hard to provide for our family. I mean, I work so hard to provide and to buy and blah, blah, blah. So therefore, I don't have time to express my gratitude because I'm too busy showing you that I have gratitude, right? Well, when in reality, our time and voice in gratitude is the only thing that really matters, right? Jim used Luke 17 narrative this morning in in his communion. And man, it is a great, great passage. It's not on the screen, but I want to recap it. Um, It is the narrative where Jesus heals 10 lepers. And and so let me read some of this. I won't read all of it, but just a a certain portion of it. So leprosy, as we know, is a skin disease that your limbs quite literally fall off. You know, you may be walking with five toes, and all of a sudden you got three toes. Boom, it just kind of decays the body. It's, It's a gross, 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 horrific disease. Now... Jesus heals them, but they're kept in leper camps, so much so that they have to pronounce unclean, unclean as they walk near anybody else so that nobody would get near them. That's that's how outcast they were. Well, Jesus comes in, he heals 10 of them, and then this is where the passage picks itself up. So they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he went over and he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. I think if we were preaching through Luke 17, there's a lot in that, that he's a Samaritan and the others aren't. But anyways, let's go through this. 17. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? So where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go away, your faith has made you well. Now here's the deal. Speaking of, again, unexpressed gratitude. um, Feeling like gratitude. I suppose if you could go and talk to the other nine. Go with me here. If you could go to the other nine and ask them, hey, other nine... Were you grateful that Jesus healed you? What do you think they would say? Absolutely. We 100% are grateful, but yet they didn't express their gratitude, and Jesus counted it as ingratitude. Ingratitude. If you consider why they didn't return and give thanks then what do you come up with? They were selfish. They forgot. (laughs) Or their gratitude was just unintentional. And that's where we're getting at as a church. How do we cultivate intentional gratitude in our homes, in our hearts, in our families? And so with that said, let's do this tonight. Ten ways to cultivate gratitude in our homes. And again, when I say homes, this could be single, this could be divorced, this could be married, this could be widowed, this could be the community that you're surrounded with. How do we cultivate gratitude? I hope that you want to cultivate gratitude. I mean, like, like I hope nobody's in here like, no, I don't want, <laughs> not me, Archie Bunker, you know. I don't want that. I hope you do. Um, if you don't want to cultivate gratitude in your heart, then we need to have another conversation. <laughs> 
about Jesus uh, first, all right? So let's do this. Number one, you got to realize that gratitude must be an intentional endeavor for most. For some, it is indeed natural to just be gratitudinous. For some, for a select few in this room. For most, it is not. For most, seeing the need and trying to figure out how to reset our default towards gratitude is real. We, we, we have that. We've got to have that. And so here's my question to you, real simple. None of these things are going to be rocket science tonight, all right? Number one, how do you have intentional gratitude to your kids? How do you have intentional gratitude to your spouse? How do you have intentional gratitude to your friends? How do you have intentional gratitude in your home? How do you birth intentional gratitude for your food? How do you have intentional gratitude towards your extended family? What about intentional gratitude towards your coworkers? Intentional gratitude to your teachers or to your parents. Intentional gratitude for your car. Ah, oh, that's bizarre. That's a crazy notion, right? Do you, do you get in your car and go, Lord, I'm thankful for this car? Do you have intentional gratitude for your clothes? And, and the, the list is endless and endless and endless. When you find yourself ungrateful, it's because you have created unmet expectations for yourself. By saying something like this, well, I deserve better. I deserve newer. I deserve friendlier. I deserve nicer. I deserve shinier. I deserve, and here's the question. Whoever promised you that you deserved anything? It's an unrealistic expectation that we intentionally put on ourselves. And so to cultivate a heart of gratitude, we've got to intentionally war against that and calculate all of those things and look at them and go, okay, yes, here's my kids. How am I going to intentionally show them gratitude this week or tonight? Like, how am I going to do it tonight? Because let me tell you, don't put it off tomorrow because if you put it off tomorrow, you probably won't do it. How am I going to, like right now, some of you are so uncomfortable because your spouse is sitting next to you and you're like, man, you are the most ungrateful. <laughs> like right now, you want to punch them right in the teeth. Well, it's safe haven. It's a safe. No, don't punch them. Don't punch them. No. Um, but, but you want to express that and, 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 and you're like, okay, here's the beauty of the gospel. Do tonight what you wish you would have done yesterday. That's it. Fair enough. Carry on. Do tonight what you wish you would have done yesterday. Express that. How are you going to intentionally cultivate that? So I hope you're thinking that through your mind. We don't deserve anything. Everything is by grace. And so therefore, if we're going to cultivate gratitude in our homes, it's got to be intentional strategy that you pipe out and then pull it off. Right? Number two. Now we're getting some real practical stuff. Again, it's going to be mind-blowing. Here we go. Number two. Gratitude can be expressed in a phone text. (laughs) In a text. That's the beauty that the Lord has given us today. And perhaps it's an easy way out, but it's also a great permanent expression of gratitude. Maybe tonight, after we get done, you just, hey, I'm going to text this person and say, I'm thankful for you. Or I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. Maybe it looks like that. Number three, gratitude can be expressed in a letter. Few things say, I've thought this out more than a letter. There's just something about a handwritten letter. Um, And and, and so, in fact, it it is thought out, and it is intentional. 
And so maybe tonight you go, you know, I need to express my gratitude in this way to somebody. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to calculate and I'm going to spend time to craft this letter. Boom. Do it. Make it happen. Number three, or four, gratitude can be expressed in social media. It's that instead of the little jab, and, and everybody's not on social media, but it is a good gift. Instead of that jab, it's, hey, I'm for you. Hey, I, I, good job. Um, anytime we banter with one another on social media, it's a chance to say, I see you and I value you. It's just a simple way to cultivate that heart of gratitude. Uh, number five, gratitude can be expressed in a shared meal. I just wanted to feed you. I know it's not enough, and it don't have to be the fanciest meal or whatever. You can, it could be peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? But I just, I want to share a meal, and, and there's a whole theology on sharing the table together in Scripture. I wish one day we could walk through it. Is a, there is a whole theology of people tabling with one another. But here's the deal about a meal, which we're about to share. Um, it says it's not about the food. It's just that I enjoy being around the table with you. I like sharing space with you. That's it. And that says I value you. And that cultivates a heart of gratitude. If businesses around the world do anything right, by gosh, they do this right. They send their people out to court other people by sharing meals with them. Why would we as a church not do the same thing? Let businesses run away and court people. I love sharing space with you. Why would we not do the same thing when we have the gospel to offer? All right. Number six, gratitude can be expressed by looking someone square in the eyes and then just opening your mouth. By walking, I know, get ready. Walking up to somebody, looking them dead in the eyeballs and going, I thank God for you. That's it. You do that today and watch that relationship change. It just changes the atmosphere, right? And sadly, a lot of times, men, I'm going to speak to the men, men, if the only time you've done that is on your wedding day, then something's off. We've got to do better than that. I thank God for you. That's it. Right? Right. Let's quit stepping on my toes. Number seven. Gratitude can be expressed as a gift. It's a gift. Um, I wanted to give you this gift, not because you needed it, but because you make me want to give it to you. And some of you guys are gifters in here. Now, let me speak to you gifters. Like, like that's your love language. You love giving people gifts. And I say this because I'm one of these people. I am a horrible gift receiver. Terrible. My kids walk up, give me a gift, a handwritten card. Like, some of y'all are like, that is going in the box, and it is going to be stored, and it's going to be lock and key, and it is going to be sealed, and it's going to be gold-plated. And then we're going to blah, blah, blah. And I get it, and I go, eh, Trash. 
right? Don't y'all, if you gift somebody and then they don't receive it maybe the way that you wanted to give them and, and they're like, hey, you know, right? Don't count it against them right off the bat. That just might not be their love language, but you can express that gift. The way that they respond shouldn't affect the, the heart behind which you gave the gift, Right? And as a matter of fact, if you demand that they respond a certain way that they don't know they're supposed to respond, the issue is is you, (laughs) right? Right. But gratitude can be expressed in in a gift. Um, Wally Macaluso, a lot of y'all know Wally. Um, And y'all know what I'm about to say. Wally gives away this little bitty thing called a, a warm fuzzy. It's just a little... Fuzzy ball, I've got some out in my car. And Wally will walk up to you and he'll go, I, I don't have anything to give you, but I want you to know that you're awesome and incredible. And he'll give that to you. I got one that's stuck in my drawer that I've probably had for 20 years. It's just a token. Maybe that's a way that you can cultivate gratitude. All right, number eight. Gratitude can be expressed as service. The least I can do is help you move, help you paint, help you clean up, help you set up. Whatever it is, I, I, can, I can do that. And, and hopefully you see some of this is kind of the love languages coming out here as well. Um, number nine, gratitude can be expressed definitely in touch. Now this also is super dangerous. All right? So let's speak about that and just be honest about it. And some of you are in here going... Talk about not liking being touched, right? Because you're like the anti-touch person. Don't touch me. And some of y'all are. And, and it's pretty easy to recognize who you are, which makes people like me, who is a hugger, make, like, it makes me want to make you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> when, I, when we know, I'm just, just a heads up, we know that. Um, all right. And Weezers, you're probably the same. You can look around the room going, these are the people that I'm targeting tonight, right? Pointing back, yeah. Katie, Katie, yes, all right. But no one has to teach you how to, how to high-five. You can get a group of five-year-olds together. They win a game or something, and they start bouncing all over each other like bowling balls and pins, right? Like, you don't have to teach them. It's just, boom, high-five. Some of the greatest... Expressions of gratitude I have ever seen. Again, because this speaks my heart. Like, I don't want you to tell me, do not, I don't want you to tell me thank you. Like, Julie Beth can tell you, don't, I don't like it. Like, it makes me feel so uncomfortable. Don't tell me thank you. Don't give me nothing, whatever. But some of the greatest things is when somebody just goes up and they just kind of nod at you and go, pow. Man, I hit that high five and I'm like, I am in. I will go to battle with this person. And you're like, they didn't say nothing. I'm like, they don't have to. They gave me a high five. That's what I needed. Boom. So maybe touch can be just that expression. And then, uh, or a knuckle punch, or a, 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 yes, a calculated hug. Calculated being the key word. Number 10, as we wrap it up, gratitude can be expressed and must be expressed by championing worship in our homes. When we cultivate gratitude through worship, here's what we're teaching everybody around us. We are thankful people because we are grateful for all that Christ has done for us. And that changes things. It changes things. 
So let's wrap it up today. I, I, I hope today's focus on gratitude was helpful for us as a church. I really do hope it was, I hope it was great. Um, I, hope it, I hope it was. It's something we've never done before. So I hope it was, was really good. Um, but as we wrap it up, I want to say three things that I think are three takeaways. Number one, gratitude is an admission that we don't deserve relationships, deserve stuff, deserve assistance, or deserve salvation. Gratitude says, I don't deserve anything, but man, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. That's the heart of gratitude. Number two, unexpressed gratitude exposes arrogance, lack of humility, and an inflated view of ourselves. Internal feelings don't count because they don't connect. They may be true. But as the old saying goes, perceived reality becomes reality. Perceived reality becomes reality. Um, It doesn't matter if it's true or not that you had the feeling or not. If it is not expressed, it's going to come across as ingratitude and begin to form those cracks. It actually is felt sometimes by the other person um, as just the opposite of gratitude. sometimes feel as um, not just ingratitude, but almost spite if we're not careful. Um, I don't know. Processing what I mean by that. It comes up a lot of times in a relationship or, or, or singles who want to be in a relationship with somebody else, and then you go... And, and, and if singles in here, I've, I've spoke to the men, I've spoke to the women, so why not go with the singles? Um, my internal feeling is I really like that person. And then you ask the person, well, do they know? <laughs> and they go, mm-mm, nope, not at all. And then you look at them and go, well, they probably think that you don't like them. If you've never talked to them, it's just that, it's, it's that weird thing. If I see you at church and... I don't talk to you. The perception is, Troy doesn't like me. And I'm using me, but you know that to be true of other people. Like your work or the grocery store or whatever it is. It's, it's just that perception. Let's be careful about that. Um, all right, and then finally, but over time, gratitude fosters trust. It fosters love. It fosters care. It fosters compatibility. It fosters community. And it fosters life abundant. And that's what we're after, and that's what Jesus promised. So, <laughs> I think a good illustration of, of maybe would wrap up our whole day before we eat is you've seen the, the bumblebee keep, not bumblebee, the honeybee keepers. I guess bumblebee keepers do it too, where they've got the, the, the hives, those people who will, you know, they, and they have the, the white thing that they put on. It's got the screen and the mask and, you know, the gloves, and they go up to it. You know what I'm talking about. And some of these, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's a mask thick enough for me to do that. But, you know, they go and the bees just cover them. You know what I'm talking about? They just, they get all over them. And the only thing standing between the stings and potential death is the fact that they're covered in that gear, that beekeeping gear. I think that's what Scripture is telling us about gratitude. That if we'll wear gratitude, it will prevent so many stings 
in our homes, in our workplaces, in our um, schools. It will prevent those. It's God's gift to us. If you had to go touch them bees or somebody was going to kill you, would you put the thing on? Yeah, you'd put it on. You'd wear the thing, right? Why would we walk through life going, yeah, thank you, Jesus, for salvation, but I don't need your gratitude. I don't need your heart of gratitude. That's just dumb. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So let's be a people who cultivate that, preventing us from getting stung. All right. There's no kids around. So here's what we're going to do now. We're about to have three minutes, and we've got a clock right up there so I can keep count. Three minutes of intentional solitude. Everybody around here is going to experience the same solitude. Okay? So don't look at the person to your right or your left or whatever. Just, just contemplate that. Just contemplate all these thoughts. Be still. Reflect and listen to the Lord. And just ask this one question. Lord, in what areas of my life do I need to intentionally cultivate gratitude? Fair enough? Three minutes. Starting now. Well, church, let's be ridiculously grateful. Let's just be ridiculously grateful. Let's crank up the gratitude and watch hearts melt around us. Right? Let's, let's test it this week. Try it. Try it in your home. Try it in your gym. Try it in your workplace. Try it wherever you got. Let's out gratitude. We just make a noun of herb. Let's out gratitude everybody around us. Students, out gratitude every other student. Husbands, out gratitude your spouse, uh, your, your wife. Wives, out gratitude your husbands. Coworkers, out gratitude your other coworkers. Get at it. Let's do it, and I believe it will transform our lives. So maybe that starts with repentance for an ungratitude heart, heart of ungratitude, ingratitude. Uh, maybe it's a list of things you want to do this week. Do them, do them, do them, whatever the Lord tells you to do, do.